0: So, please join me on this journey of learning, self growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top Podcast. This is episode 308 for the first of Tishrei in a leap year. First of Tishrei, this is Rosh Hashanah, the first day of Rosh Hashanah. I am pre-recording this episode as I do for all of the Shabbos episodes and the holiday episodes. So I hope that you all have a sweet new year. I hope your Rosh Hashanah, if you're listening to this after Rosh Hashanah, that your Rosh Hashanah was amazing and great. If you're listening to this before Rosh Hashanah, then I bless you that this your davening, your prayers should be answered, should, should go well, that you should have a really meaningful and good Rosh Hashanah. So today we are going to be addressing a common misconception that many, many people in the world have. What is that misconception? That misconception is that God and spirituality are one in the same. And this misconception leads to a lot of people looking at Judaism, looking at traditional Jewish life with a kind of questioning eye. In the sense that when we look at Judaism, when the Jewish religion, a practicing Jew, what does most of their life involve? It involves a lot of rituals, right? But these rituals are not really very spiritual in nature for the most part. Really, for the vast majority of what we do as Jews, it's it's very physical. So what do we do on Shabbos? I remember once as a kid. We actually, uh, when I I was a child, my family used to host foster children pretty often. We used to have these foster children that lived with us. And we had this one really, really cute foster child named Marshall who lived with us. He was about three years old. And he would come over and he was only with us like once in a while. He wasn't there all the time. But he was often there on Shabbos. And one day we were kind of talking to Marshall and playing around with him. We said, Marshall, it's Shabbos. What do we do on Shabbos? And Marshall said, really enthusiastically, he said, we eat. (laughs) To him, that was Shabbos because you know what? He wasn't really wrong. What do we do on Shabbos? A big portion of Shabbos is eating. That's a lot of what we do. There's three m- big meals that we eat on Shabbos. Um, there's the fourth meal of Malava Malka that we eat after Shabbos. So that's a very, very big part of Shabbos. The idea of eating on Shabbos is so holy, in fact, that you don't even need to have the right intentions. Just eating eating during the week, you really are supposed to have like a very intentional like uh, consciousness while you're eating that you're eating for the sake of God in order to elevate the food that you're eating. On Shabbos, so long as you're eating kosher food and so long as long as you say a blessing over that food that you're eating, that food automatically gets elevated. That food automatically serves its purpose. Other things in Judaism, tefillin, putting on tefillin, men put on tefillin, women light Shabbos candles. These are all physical things that we do. Even when we read from a Torah scroll, we need a physical parchment and the physicality is very specific. Everything has, we have coming up, right? There's like very specific uh, physical dimensions to the sukkah that we put up. So if you equate God with spirituality, this might seem really, really strange. And it's very understandable to kind of not be so careful about the observance of the mitzvahs in in, a, in such a specific way, because it's like, does God really care if you, you know, there's another law that you're supposed to put on your right shoe before your left, and then you tie the left shoe, and then you tie your right shoe. Does, does God really care about these things? Like, why are we doing this? And some people interpret it as that it's not really for God. It's actually for us. It's for us to connect to God and to feel a sense of, of godliness and to work on ourselves and herself but God could care less so that's half true yes it is for us these these mitzvahs definitely do refine us as people and they connect us with God but God definitely does care if we do mitzvahs. we know that this is a very big principle in Judaism these mitzvahs are here in Chesedis we talk about this a lot that when we do these mitzvahs it's not just for our own sake it's actually for God's sake we do these mitzvahs to make God happy to fulfill God's purpose here in the world But how is that possible? If God is just spirituality, if God is this infinite being, what do these finite things have to do with God? So this is the exact question that we're going to answer today. And for context, we are going to be starting a new epistle, Epistle 20 of Ingeris and Kodesh. And in short, basically what this epistle is going to address is this idea of how God is not spirituality he's not infinitude yes he has an infinite component to him he has a spiritual component to him but finitude comes from god just as much as infinity comes from god so when well we tend to think of godliness as this very spiritual thing and definitely there is this very there are many spiritual worlds and there's a whole spiritual um, chain of descent that happens in the process of creating this physical world so it's we're not kind of getting this from nowhere there is such a thing as spirituality that is a real thing and that is something that can be helpful to tap into but at the end of the day physicality is just as much godliness as spirituality is and that when it comes to creating physicality there's actually a leap that happens where it's not this cause and effect kind of chain reaction thing that happens, but the physicality is created from God's essence himself. Because it doesn't make sense that like truly, if God was spirituality, if if, if God really was equivalent to spirituality, then there would be no connection between god and the physical world because they're so vastly different so different but that's not the case the the truth is that god is both physicality and his spirituality and he's beyond both of those he's the source of all of this so let's get into the text and see how the ultra explains all of this and this is gonna be a little bit like abstract maybe today but it's pretty straightforward at the same time so hopefully it won't be too out there so here we go so the ultra begins with a very famous teaching that's found throughout the teachings of Hasaras, which says, <speaking in Hebrew> which literally means he and his vitality, his life force, are one, and he and his organs his vessels are one so another way to understand this is that god and his lights are one and god and his vessels are one so we're going to explain what this is in reference to so uh the ultra says and this is in brackets he says the meaning of this is that when we talk about the ten spheres of its so again the ten spheres, these ten energies that are found in the world of Atsilus, which is the highest of all worlds, the world of emanation. When we say Chayuhi, this life force kind of thing, this is a reference to God's lights. The Garmuhi, this is can be translated as his causations, these are the vessels, the vessels of the spheres. So all of the spheres have a light aspect to them and they have a vessel aspect to them. And the ultrapass says that all of it is godliness, whether we're talking about the light aspect of the spheres or the vessel aspect of the spheres, it's all godliness. And this is this is the case in the world of Atsilis, this highest world. However, notes the Ultra-Rabbit, this is not the same thing in the, this is not the case in the lower worlds of Bria, Aetira, and Asea. In the Bria, Aetira, and Asea, that's already when we started we start to get into the realm of creation where there's something separate from god we've just as a kind of side note to give you guys like a visual with this we've likened to this in the past if you wanted to just a brief recap if you want to think about the four uh, worlds one helpful way i find to think about the four worlds is in the concept of conception of a child of the or the giving birth of a child so the atsilus could be thought of as the possibility of a child to come into existence, like sort of like the sperm and the egg that exist within the mother and father, but like they have not, there's no conception yet. Nothing has happened. There's no, they haven't gotten together. There's nothing happening. It's just like existing in potential within them once there is that moment of conception that conception level that's the level of Bria so now you have something that is other than the mother and father the level above that the level of acillus there is no difference between the child and the parents right they just exist in potential like if, if you have if you're a woman and you have eggs within you those eggs are not separate from you they are you they're one and the same with you right versus then once there's a conception of a child that's something aside from you the Atsira, the next one, below that's the whole formation of the child within the womb the nine months of formation of development of the child and then the level of asia is the actual birth of the child so that's kind of a helpful way that I can kind of help um, visualize this whole process that happens here. So again, so going back to our discussion, when we're talking about the Spherus and we're talking about the the lights and the vessels of the Spherus within the realm of Atyllus they're one and the same with God. It's there is they are totally Godliness, which is not the case once you get into the realms of Brea, here and where they are something separate from God. Okay. So now the ultra goes on, and he says, "We need to clearly understand how is it that when we talk about God, whose God we call another word that we use for God, another term for God is the in The in literally means without end or infinity. So when we talk about God, how can we say that He's one with His vessels? So you could say, okay, like God is one with the light, because light is an infinite type of thing. You think of light; it's flowing, it's 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 infinity or whatever. But vessels, by definition, their whole thing is finitude whole thing is limits so how can we say that these that these um these vessels are uh are one with god one with the infinite that doesn't make sense right because vessels as the altar says are limited and finite as it's stated in the Chaim. so the altar says the um the the way that we can understand this is that the intention in saying that they're one is because we're saying that they are the that That they are godliness, meaning that they can create something from nothing, just like the in self, just like the truly infinite one, meaning truly God can create. So that's a very powerful statement. That's basically saying that these Kalim, these vessels... That are found in Attilas have the power to create, just like God has the power to create, because they are one with God. This isn't to say that God is defined by the Kalim; just to make that clear. But it's it means that the Kalim have within them this capacity to create something from nothing. And so to really specify like what is this creation something from nothing? So the ultrapa says, he says, um, this this seems strange because if we if you actually look in the teachings of Kabbalah, in the teachings of Rabbi Moshe Cordovero, and in the teachings of the Zohar and Parshis Barishis, when it talks about how uh, there's this there's a sort of creative process happening it does not talk about it in this something from nothing way but it actually talks about it in this way of a he's which is a chain of descent something for nothing in this kind of evolutionary manner so evolution is not something for nothing evolution is like one thing causes another one thing another thing causes another and all that stuff so there's there's like a natural chain of event that happens right so the ultra says this natural train of event is is happening within the spherus themselves. It's it's uh, the spherus within the spherus that's happening. Uh, in uh, however, when we talk about the calium, the kalim, this this actual the vessels that we've been talking about, these are called blima in spherus here. They're called nothing without anything. So meaning to say that they don't have a somethingness and they don't have uh, a substance to them at all. And just like the infinite one, meaning God, that no thought can grasp him at all, as it says, and this is a quote from Shemot chapter 33, verse 23, Ufana lo yirau, that my face shall not be seen. So meaning that we cannot, as we've spoken about many times, we cannot understand God. We can't see his face. And we know that Moshe Rabbeinu, his prophecy and his understanding was on the the supernal level of Netzach in the Zer'an pain. So we talked about this a little bit in the previous epistle, this idea of God of Moshe Rabbeinu's, um, his, his limitation in terms of his prophecy, that he was able to only perceive God up till the level of, ne- which we talked about as corresponding to the externality, the superficial aspect of the Sphero. So that's what Moshe was able to see. So it's really just to emphasize this idea that the true godliness, the inner aspect of godliness is something that's beyond any comprehension at all. And... Now, just going back to this explanation of the Ilava alil, the cause and effect type of thing, the way this works, this evolutionary chain of event that happens, that in the spiritual realms is where we see that the the effect is encompassed by the cause right and is nullified to it so for example the example he gives is like a ray of sunlight in the sun so the sunlight is the co- is the effect and the sun is the cause right and the sunlight is nullified to the sun where it's coming from and this is explained says the ultra in the pardes in uh, of of the Ramak. so so thinking about this idea thinking about this process the system of evolution the system of cause and effect you know, even if you had totally many, 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 many contractions, you could never create something dense and coarse like the earth, like like the ground uh, through many this through this chain of event that's spiritual, like from abstract spiritual intellects even of the angels so meaning to say that no matter how dense spirituality becomes no matter how many contractions it goes through it's spirituality by nature can never become physicality so the best thing that can come about through this says the ultra is that we can see that there's a spirit of an animal so like we see that there's like in the celestial chariot this is this is a face of a chariot that comes up a lot in kabbalah there's the face of the ox there's like the faces of those things so a way to kind of understand this in our terms is like if you think about chocolate if you think about a house you could think about it in as many details as you want to but that thinking is never going to bring about a physical house house the thinking is abstract spirituality is abstract it has nothing to do with physicality no matter you could meditate on something for years on end and it's never going to become physical if you don't if there's not another component involved and the ultraviolet says this is explained elsewhere at length um and see there and so this it's not clear where where this would be this elsewhere but um i saw a note that the Rebbe wrote that this could be referring to the discourse you've Yavinu levush malchut. That's found in Torah Or on page 90b. So if anybody wants to look that up, you can. And so then the ultra concludes here, and he says that then there's this other. So we have this this cause and effect process, this cause and effect system of creation, and then there's another system. This other system is called Yeshmi Ex-Nihilo. and this is called this is what we refer to as Bria in in La kurish this is what we refer to as creation. So true creation is not a cause and effect thing, but it's actually a something from nothing. There's a leap that happens, there's something different. There's a new type of entity that happens. So a little abstract, but we're going to continue along these lines tomorrow and, uh, and explain this a little bit more and understand how this happens and what this is all about and how it is that God is not spiritual. God is not spirituality, at least not defined exclusively by spirituality but physicality is just as much godliness as as um as spirituality as so stay tuned and i will speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather abraham yitzhak ben binyamina cohen of blessed memory music by shoshana